0: <laughs> All right, I'm really trying to help you, okay? I'm going to really give you this message, okay? I wasn't really planning on giving this message, but I'm going to read these scriptures to you. Can you put that Ephesians up there? Huh? Nah, I'm good. So I'm going to give you this message here, because this is the most important part of the message. I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else to say to you, I want you to get this one thing, Okay? Here's what it is. A lot of people have been asking, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. Obviously, the world is being shook. Uh, There's a lot of bad stuff happening. And, And people, you know, ask you, what do you think? You know, what do you think the Lord's saying? Has God showed you anything? And that's a really great question. A lot of people are scared. Christians are scared. We shouldn't be scared. Honestly, we shouldn't. We should be, this is our hour. This is when God created us for this moment. He didn't create us to be afraid of, of things that are happening in the world. He created us to, to, you know, to this is our moment to shine, if we will. Uh, but anyways, I want to read this scripture. It's Ephesians 3. I'm going to read verse 14 and 15. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family... In heaven and earth is name, I bow my knees, and I tell you, this is a thing. If I just go ahead and cut to the chase, if there's one thing I know the Lord's told me in my life, it's this is what you need to be doing with your life right now. You need to be bowing your knees. That's what you need to be doing. You need to be bowing. You know this is interesting. And there's two prayers in Ephesians. The first one is in chapter one, where Paul says, "I make mention of you in my pet prayers." That, the God would, uh, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom. You know, we love that. I love that prayer. But that was a prayer that he mentioned. You see, there's things we mention to God when we pray. But then there's these other prayers. This was a different prayer. This was a prayer that from Paul's perspective, it required him to bow to pray it. Sometimes we get prayers, we, we get news that makes us bow. It just, it just drives us to our knees. You know, it's like somebody hits you in the stomach with something, and you just, and on the inside, you just go to your knees, and may literally go to your knees, and that's really what we're facing. We're facing a lot of news when I sp- first began to see those pictures of the tsunami into Japan. That's what I felt in my heart. I just went like, oh my God, and wanted to just get on my knees and begin to pray for the p- people that were being swept away, you know, and... And so we're in a time when those kind of things happen, and, and not only in, from the perspective of the world, but they all, you know, uh, in the church, we've, we've had things, we've gotten news that just drove us to our knees and just broke our hearts and crushed us. And then in our own personal lives, we've had things that have just crushed us and crushed us and crushed us. So it's like we've been hit from every direction. You know, personally, on a very personal, near-dear level, the church and then the, what's going on in the world. It's like there's no escape. And so a lot of people are, are, are really nervous about this. And I'm having a hard time on my knees because this is a confession. I don't be, I'm not on my knees. I haven't been on my knees enough in my life. Okay? I don't feel like I've been on my knees enough. And I feel like God is calling, calling me. We don't see people on their knees very much in the church anymore. I believe God's calling us to be on our knees. Not because we're afraid. Because this is a moment for us. And God wants to get our attention for this moment. You know, He really, really does. If, and He doesn't want us to be afraid in this moment. Because God has brought us to this moment. This is our, our time. And so, um, I, I, I wanted to say this about me. I have a hard time talk, thinking about... I mean, I can think negative in a moment... Be frustrated in the moment, but when I think about, I'm by nature a very hopeful person. I grew up, in fact, me being a person who had hope, it helped me to overcome a lot of things in my life. Because even before I knew the Lord, growing up, I had hope for my life. I had a hope and a belief that somehow God was going to do something different in my life and that my life would not stay the same, that my life would turn out good and positive. I was a Jeremiah twenty nine eleven person from the beginning before I even knew Christ. It was like He gave me that, and that's a gift from God. And so I don't. I tend not, when I hear bad things, it frustrates me when I hear all the negative, afraid talk, because I'm thinking that's just, but I understand there's that side. It's like I told him if I ever tell you it's time to run to the mountains, it's probably too late. You know? It's just too late. You're, you're already dead because I would wait to the last, that would be the last thing in my heart to run away. You know, Because it's like I know that there's something good that's going to happen and I believe it. And I believe it to this day that no matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening to us, I can see hope. I can see positive things coming our way. And I'm believing for those things and I'm laying hold of those things in my heart. So I'm not uh, going to go with, but um, sometimes there are things that we pray about that we don't get answers for. Does anybody know what I'm talking? See, my knees are hurting already. I already done. It. I got a Scott, not Scott Forsyth and Doug Murdoch. So you're going to be able to go do another message on your knees? I said I don't think so, man. You know, and they prayed. We're going to pray for your knees so you can get through this because it's hurtful. It's so bad. I was telling Andy the other day over there, Andy and Philip, Look at them. Okay, just, everybody get a good look at them. He, we're wondering what they're doing. Anyways, uh, I, a- Andy was going through the book of James with the youth. Imagine that, being in a youth group and they're preaching you through the book of James. Because Andy said, James is a battle axe. But church history says that James had big, ugly, callous knees. From being on his knees before the Lord, he was—he prayed. That was his life was a life of real prayer, and I guess it kind of came out. I never think it was a battle axe, but anyways. So there are some things in life. You know, we all have these things in our life where God is not answering our prayer, right? There's some things that are anomalies. Like, why is this? What is wrong? Why is this? I don't understand this. This goes against who the Bible says God is. This goes against who I know God to be. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We pray. I remember one time we had been in such a season where God was so wonderful in answering all our prayers. And then we prayed with this guy who was dying. And we just knew, well, he's healed. I mean, this is nothing. God can heal anybody. God can raise anybody up. We were shocked that he didn't immediately get healed. But then we thought, oh, well, he'll be okay in a few days. It's going to be one of those therapeutic healings. Like, you know, he'll get well over time and he'll be alive. Well, within two weeks, I was doing his funeral. Okay? You know, it just blew my mind. Why, Lord, why didn't He you raise him up from the dead? Well, there's things in our life. There's, sometimes there's things that hinder us, hinder our prayers. Okay? And one of those things is the devil. A lot of people don't believe that, but honestly, if he if he could hinder Paul's prayers, right, he can sure hinder our prayers because we are not really walking on that level yet. So that's a thing. And sometimes God hinders our prayers. Sometimes God is saying, Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. You know what I'm saying? He wants to answer, but it's like the time's not exactly perfect for God to answer your prayers. But in time he will answer your prayer. Well, you know, that's. I want to just say a couple of things about what we can do. When the devil's resisting your prayer, you just have to keep going after him and cursing him. And you know, it's okay to curse the devil and hate the devil. But I just want to run through real quick a few four things, four or five things that hinder our prayers. I'm, but I'm just going to say them because just to help you, because it's a time we're in a time of prayer. One is doubt and unbelief. It's in Mark 11:23 and 24 when Jesus talked about moving the mountain. He says, "If you don't doubt." In your heart, you can say to the mountain, "Be removed and cast into the sea." Another in Mark nine twenty three, he says, "If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes." So, if we have this doubt about God, about the na- and that really goes to trusting God and the nature of God. If we have this mistrust of God and who God is, it's going to hinder our prayers. In other words, she, she was hearing about, Sarah was sharing about the love of God and the goodness of God. If we doubt that in our minds, it's going to hinder us from getting our prayers answered. That's a true hindrance. The other thing that Jesus said in that Mark passage was right in the middle of that, right, he says, and when you stand praying, if you don't have forgiveness in your heart, Unforgiveness is a major hindrance for most Christians. They have this unforgiveness thing in them. They, they have this justice thing in them that, that, that God needs to pay these people back and, and all this stuff. Go listen to Becky's message that she gave a few weeks ago if you were not here. And it's a very powerful message and will get you free so you can get your prayers answered because you, somebody's done you wrong or doing you wrong and you want them to be paid back. You want them to be fixed. You want them to be corrected. And God is saying no. I had a situation that happened to me very, very recently where somebody did something that was bad, it was wrong, it was evil, and I was infuriated with them. And I began in my mind going through how God was going to get them. In the middle of it, God spoke to me and said, and reminded me of some things I have done in my life and said, Did I get you? And the answer was, No, you forgave me. You had mercy on me. So who am I to require? It doesn't say they're doing right. It's just saying, I'm out of the loop. I'm out of the loop. That's between them and God, and however that works out between them and God. Amen? Another one is um, treating your wife badly. That belongs to all the men in here. It doesn't say anything about the women treating the husband badly. This is First Peter two three seven. It says, if you don't have an understanding heart towards your wife and understand who they are emotionally, because, you know, women are different than men emotionally and all that good stuff. But it says that your prayers will be hindered. That's what it says, plain and simple. So men, if you're treating your wife bad, don't expect to get an answer to your prayer. That's a big one. That's why a lot of prayers are not answered for guys. It's the way they treat their wives. I hate to say. You know, don't lie to your wife. Don't try to buffalo her. All that stuff guys do. Don't try to, you know, be something you're not. Uh as Isaiah fifty eight eleven says it tells us not care or Isaiah fifty eight one through eleven says not caring for the poor will hinder your answer to your prayers. If we don't if we don't pay attention to the poor, pe- the poor people, and not care about them, God is not going to answer our prayers. It says it very straight in there. Another thing it says in Isaiah fifty eight one through eleven is the pointing of the finger. It goes back to what I was saying, the pointing of the finger. It says, if you'll remove the point of the finger, then your light will come. God will answer you speedily. You've got to remove that point. You're know, like, you know, pointing your finger at people, criticizing people, finding fault with people. All that stuff will hinder God from answering. It. It's really in, straight up in the, in the Bible that those things will hinder us. Those are really great. Another one is wrong motives. James 4 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasure. In other words, God is not going to give us something if our motives are impure and we want it in a wrong way, if we want something in a wrong way. In other words, if you say you really want a healing ministry and, and God uses you to heal people, but your motives are for you, eventually he's going to quit healing people through you because, and he'll get, he'll get them healed by somebody else because of your motives of self, being lifted up. You hear what I'm saying to you? We have to really watch what our motives are and we have to really consider that God, or God will hinder our prayers. He won't answer our prayers in any area. Some people want promotions and better jobs and stuff and they won't get them. God will not answer that prayer because the motives behind it is wrong, it's wicked, it's evil. It's not right. It's, it's self-centered. And so God will not answer those prayers. It's just right in the Bible. These are... The very clear things in the Bible. Amen? That sounded like a weak amen. You should be happy. We're going to get prayers answered because we're going to ask the Lord to get that stuff out of us if we have it. I'm, ne- I'm needing some prayers answered. Well, anyways, this morning, I just share that. This morning, I, I want to share. This is really what I came here to share with you. So I had this little experience this morning. I came out here before daybreak. And as I walked on the property of the church, uh I got this little conviction that came on me. And I began to remember all the times I've walked into this church and had this fault-finding thing on me, this this dissatisfaction thing with something, with something spiritual, something physical, with somebody. And I began to really get convicted. And I remembered what someone said to to me recently. Uh, They said, a person said to me, they said, Byron, we... We, we are made for times like this. We're made for times like this because we have been going after this thing for a long time and we've gone through storms before and we've got through them. We know how to go through turbulent times. We know how to go through hard times. And when when that person was communicating that, I was, when I, this morning I was thinking, is that really the truth, Lord? Am I really equipped for this time? Have I really allowed you to do what was in your heart in my life over the past few years to prepare me and equip me for this moment that I'm living in. That was the question I had in my mind because I have seen in my own life this thing where God was at work in my life and I did not appreciate what He was doing. I did not value what He was doing. and He. But really what He was trying to do was prepare me for a moment in front of me. And everybody in this room, every person in this room, God is preparing you for something or God is attempting to prepare you for something. And we are either wasting that moment or we are gaining from what God has in that moment. Okay. We're gaining from it or we're losing it. And I, I wondered in my life, have I thrown away time in the past? Have I thrown away moments? Have I thrown away circumstances? Have I thrown away situations where God, that God allowed into my life to help prepare me for this very moment I'm living in right now? Okay. Now that's a hard moment to hear. Um, I remember this, uh, scripture. Well, let me just say this. This is the thing. I keep going back to this one thing that God gave to me this year. A gift of faith and a gift of giving. Okay? A gift of faith and a gift of giving. Two gifts I'd never pursued. Personally, it was like God presented them to me and offered them to me, and I said yes. Uh, Remember, I told you about the story about the man who had this desire in his heart to give. Okay, and he said, this is what he said, I don't make enough money to give. I can give a little bit, but I want to give a lot. Because he was a pastor. He said, I don't make much. I can give a little. I do give a little. But I want to give a lot of money. And he said, I'll never be able to do it because I'll never make a lot of money being a pastor. But he did write a book. And he, and he set up a bank account for whatever he got off the book. Everything that he made off the book would go in this one bank account. A bank account that he promised. To the Lord and to his wife that he would not touch a dime of it. And in one year he made two million dollars that went into that bank account to go into the gospel. It is awesome. And I said, I don't even know what the name of the book is. I'm gonna find out what the name of the book is and just buy one of it. I don't even know if I want to read. it doesn't matter if I read it, I'm gonna buy it to help, you know, help the God the cause. And it's because God found a man, a man who was prepared, a man who was ready, a man who had allowed God to do the work in him and bring him to that moment where God looked at that man and said, you are a man who's been made ready and prepared for the moment you're in. Therefore, I am going to entrust you with two million dollars thus far. Two million dollars. And I thought, Lord, that's really what you're calling, you're calling the church to. I believe in this hour. I believe where we have been prepared and prepared and prepared. Many people in this room are Josephs. God has been dealing with you forever. God has been dealing with you. You know, I hear people used used to be when I'd hear somebody say they have Joseph calling, this is what I'd do. I would say, "Oh, let me just get away from you cuz hard times are coming your way. Difficulties coming your way. The Bible says This is what the Bible says. In Psalm 105, it says, The Lord... There was a famine the land and the Lord sent a man before them, a man named Joseph. And the Bible says they hurt his feet in fetters. In other words, they hurt him. He was wounded. He was hurt being sent by God in pain and sorrow, being rejected by his family, being sold by his family, being lied to by a woman who says he was trying to do something bad and being thrown in prison and forgotten to live his life. In death, in in, in, a, in a rotten dungeon, but God sent him, and then in one day, in one day, one day, he got up a prisoner and he went to bed in the palace, the number two man in all the land, and he had control of the entire economy of a nation, at his bidding. It's all yours, whatever you decide to do, Joseph. Why was he that person? Because he went through things. When Potiphar's wife looked, tried to lure him, he looked temptation in the eye and said no. And what I'm seeing, is what I've seen, I've seen Joseph's fall to temptation in the last year. I've, I've watched Joseph's. Men and women who had this calling, where God was saying, I've got this call on your life. To invest in you for the kingdom. And I've watched them get distracted. I've watched them get discouraged. I've watched some of them actually get into immorality. And they're Joseph's. They're Joseph's. Because God is looking for people He can entrust wealth to. Can we put that mark? I'm going to get back on the knees here. I have to be careful. Are you all okay? We're all right. I've got to see a little bit of time. I'm not going to keep you 70 minutes like I did last week. That was bad. 70 minutes. Alright, let's do that. Mark ten twenty-four. 24. This is the story. I just want to read this and then one scripture in Haggai. Are y'all, are y'all alright? Everybody's good. Because this is what God is saying. This is where I felt so much conviction in my heart this morning is that, Lord, have I wasted? Have I wasted? Have I wasted the last few years because what you gave me was not good enough? What you gave me didn't measure up. And I complained about it. I whined about it. And all the time you were trying to prepare me. All the time you were trying to do something in me. And have I missed that moment? Because I can't go back and relive that moment. That moment's gone. Anyways, Mark 10. Let me read this. This is the rich young ruler deal, you know. I just want to read the one verse where Jesus told this guy, I've done everything you've told me. I've done it all, Jesus. I've served you. I've served you. I've served you. Many of you could say that, but Jesus may say to you, but you lack one thing in your life. There was one area of your life that you'd never let me in. This one place you never really wanted me to touch. Is that me, Lord? And here I am in this moment where my finest hour could be right now. And because yesterday I wouldn't let you touch that place in me. Yesterday I gave in to temptation. Yesterday I gave in to distraction. Yesterday I just refused because I didn't like what you were doing. I didn't like the people you put me with. I didn't like the church you put me in. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. No, no, it was good enough. And anyways, thank you Jesus. Right? This is what it says. Jesus Then Jesus looked around and said to His disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Let me just tell you this. Everybody in this room, compared to four billion other people in the world, are wealthy. Everybody in this room. The poorest person in this room. You're wealthy compared to four billion other people in the world. It's true. And Jesus says, it's really hard for wealthy people like you, Americans, to really embrace this kingdom thing. To really have the kingdom, really have the kingdom power. Because I can't entrust it because because you are trusting in something else. You are trusting in something besides me. You're trusting in your riches. You're trusting in your whatever it is. You have this other trust in something else. And that thing is going to keep you from out of the kingdom. It's going to keep you out from what I have for you because you got your trust in another that thing. That's a very powerful statement. A very powerful statement. And some people feel like they're being stripped right now. But it's the Lord. It's like, that's Joseph. You're Joseph. You have the Joseph. God wants to invest wealth in you. I'm talking not just spiritual wealth. I'm talking about gold and silver of this world. He wants to place it in your hands. Are y'all that sound everybody should be happy about that? Oh yes, I'm so happy. I just didn't realize the beating I was gonna to have to take beforehand to get this. I didn't realize how I was going to be stripped to nothing to get this. I didn't know I was going to be humiliated to get this. I didn't know I was going to be rejected and betrayed to get to this place in my life. I didn't know it was you. All this time it was you behind the scenes working in my life, disappointing me, crushing me, allowing this in me. So you can say, Byron, the day has come. Open the bank account because money is coming. Money's coming because I have work to do in the earth and I want somebody I can trust in North Carolina at Riverland. I want somebody I can put that money in their hands so they can give it. But I can't fight you, Byron, because you have fussed about everything you've got. That was a sad moment this morning. A sad moment for me. Anyways. Are y'all all all right? This is not negative to me. Please don't think I'm trying to put something on you. This is not negative. This is not negative. Like I said, I'm a hopeful person. Even when God admonished me, I still have hope. I'm thinking, well, I'll open the bank account anyway. Maybe you will put fifty bucks in there, and I'll give it to somebody just to show them fifty bucks, Lord. <laughs> this is this is this is a powerful scripture here. Becky read this to me yesterday, and when she read it to me, it was like a sword. It's, uh, Haggai, everybody knows old Haggai. Man, to have a name like that, you got to be somebody who's secure. I mean, that's an ugly name. In fact, you take off the first, second like, half of the name, your name is Hag. Hey, Hag, how you doing, buddy? Can you imagine what his friends did to him? I mean, Hag, you know, Hag's here. Hey, come on in, Hag. I mean, you'd be feeling kind of rough if you didn't really have your identity settled. You didn't really get that revelation of the Father's heart. You'd be a dumb, you'd be messed up. Well, Haggai, brother Haggai, was a prophet. And this is what he said. Verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. Is not the heavens and earth? Is the sea being shook? Is the dry land being shook? It has been in, in, in Christ church, New Zealand. It has been, of course, in, in Japan. It w- was in Greece S- uh, Friday. There was an earth- There's earthquakes everywhere. This land is shaking. God didn't cause the earthquake. Believe me, God doesn't do that. He's not into earthquakes. Those are the pains. Those are the groanings of the natural realm. Groaning for us to come forth. And they, those things are going to happen. It's what are we? Where are we? Are we afraid? Uh, there's going to be a terrible earthquake in the United States. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What, we're going to just go. No. Who needs that? I don't need that. There is going to be some earthquakes. I'm not worried about them. Because you know what? If I happen to be a earthquake happening here, guess what? We would just die, probably. What could be bad about dying and going to heaven and being with Jesus? I mean, I'm going to win. I'm winning no matter what. But I'm not thinking I'm going to die anytime soon. I'm really not thinking dying. I'm not thinking destruction. I'm not thinking loss. I'm thinking something else. I'm thinking I'm thinking revival. I'm thinking a move of God. That's what I'm thinking. There's going to be a ride. Listen to this. This is something. Let me just tell you. There's a church that's in 50 kilometers. How many kilometers? How many miles is that? Somebody who's really smart. 26 miles from those reactors. 26 miles. There's a church, Christians in Japan. 26 miles. This is what they—they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're helping people. They're getting water to people. They're getting uh, medical teams in there because the government's just flipped. But you know what they said? Hey, since these Japanese people who are usually just consumed with their daily lives and everything else, they ain't got anything to do. Let's start having revival meetings every day. 26 miles from the reactors. We're going to have meetings every day where the Holy Ghost is going to touch people. I'm thinking, these people know some stuff. They're not running. They're not afraid. In fact, they said that the... Uh, radiation there was less than it was in Tokyo, which is how many miles away? It's a lot more, more miles away. A couple hundred? Somebody, anybody smart? A hundred miles away. Dean, you're not. I wasn't looking at you. I was looking at your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, that was just asylum. That's, that's sort of what I'm talking about. That's people who, that's people who see opportunity... Instead of destruction, they see a place for God to move and touch people. They're not running in fear. I mean, where are they going to go anyway? I mean, what if somebody said Mooresville is going to be blotted out today? What would we do? Like, well, where are we going to go? I mean, what about my kids? What if they didn't want to leave? I'm not going to leave my kids here. I'm not going to leave my grand... I'm not going to go run off somewhere. You know? Unless God told me to, then I would just make them come. I would beat them. I would knock them out and throw them in the back of the trunk and take them. You know, the Lord had to get an angel to drag Lot out of Sodom. The angel had to force him, and then they, they still didn't want to leave. Like, he grabbed and pulled on him. And so I'm trusting the Lord that he loves me at least as much as did Lot. You know? But if that nuclear plant ever does melt down, Maguire, here's what you need to do. Get in your car and go as hard and fast away from it as you can. Seriously. Because you will die if you don't. It will kill you. I know about that, but I'm going to tell you this. That plant's not likely to melt down because I helped design and build that plant. <laughs> and that's, the, that's true. That's true. That plant is a very brilliant, it's brilliantly designed and brilliantly built. Because I used to work in another life for Duke Power, Duke Energy, in their engineering department on McGuire Nuclear Plant. Yeah, so I know. Anyways, I'm just trying to help you here. But listen to this. And I will shake all nations, and they shall, listen to this, they shall come to the desire of the nations. They shall come to the desire of the nations. People are going to come to the desire of nations. Because why? I'll show you that. But Whitney, that's what I saw in you. I saw in your heart. I saw the cross. I saw the desire of the nations in you. And people are going to be attracted to you. Okay? But it's that cross in you. It's the desire of the nations in you. So don't think it's you. But it is you. But it's really Him. It's Him in you. A lot of people have gotten messed up in their life because of the desire of the nation in them. The beauty of the Lord on them. And somehow or another, people were attracted to it and they got messed up. You know? I have a friend. Some of you know her. She, I told Becky, that woman has a tremendous leadership call in her life. The problem was, years ago, she led people astray because she was always messed up. Now she's not, though. Now she's sending me stuff like, Hey, Byron, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I need to know because I'm telling all these people because all these people are listening to her. She's got this tremendous leadership call in her life. And see, Josephs are leaders. Everybody in this room has that call in their life. I really believe that with all my heart. God's put something in you. God's put Joseph, the heart of Joseph in you. Okay, so, and this is what he says. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of the hosts. I will fill this temple. That's the house of God. That's the people of God. Notice it was in the context of the world being shook. The land, see, so we're getting very close. We're getting very close. The glory. I'm talking about the real glory. I'm talking about the glory where people don't say, well, the glory's here. I'm talking about when the glory, the glory that, uh, be careful, the glory. I'm talking about the glory when it comes. Nobody's going to have to say the glory's here. It ain't going to be none of that. Everybody's going to know the glory's here. He's going to fill. That's God's plan for the church. That's God's plan for his people. That's why I'm saying I'm, I'm happy. I'm believing in revival. Cause the glory of God is coming because the earth is being shook. The sea's being shook. The glory's on the way. It really is the glory. Glory's gonna fill it. His glory's gonna be manifest like we've never seen it before. It's gonna be awesome. That desire of the nation thing is gonna really get released in the body of Christ. But then he says this in verse eight. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The silver, he's talking, about, he's talking about money. He's talking about wealth. The same wealth that would keep a person out of the kingdom of God is the same wealth he wants to entrust in Joseph's. Because he knows this wealth is not going to bother these Joseph's. They're going to know we're just, just taking care of it for him. He just entrusted wealth to us. Gold and silver. I really believe this is all my heart. I believe that meant that word about the transfer of the wealth into the church is a real word from the Lord. But it's going to come in a moment where, like, we're getting into. And so the question is can you, can I be trusted enough for him to say, get the bank account? The money's coming. I can trust you with it. Can he do that? Have we allowed God to prepare us? Or have we whined? Have we sinned? Have we been distracted? Have we been discouraged? Have we gotten so beat down and messed up that we forgot that God was in our life and that God cared and God was in the middle of everything? What if the thing that you say, Lord, why aren't you answering my prayer? Maybe I am answering your prayer. I sent a man and he was hurt to answer the cry of starving people. Did he think he was the answer to the prayer? Did he think that was God's answer in the middle of that? No. I had a, see, I have a situation. I said, Lord, why haven't you answered, Lord? Tell me, Byron, what if I am answering? Maybe I'm trying to do something greater than you think I'm doing. Maybe I'm trying to actually save that person's life. And this is what it's going to take to actually save his life. What if I told you that? That's what the Lord said to me. I thought, oh, maybe God is doing something I don't see. Maybe God's at work, an invisible God is at work in my life, and I'm sitting here acting like a fool, like He's not hearing me. Maybe He is. Can I trust Him? Can I trust that that's Him? Can I trust you with that? Do you love that person more than me, Lord? Obviously you do. Obviously, you tr- you love these people more than I do. I can trust you with them. That doubt and unbelief is a lack of trust. It's a lack of trust in the nature and character of God. Why aren't you doing it, God? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you? Are you trusting me? Do you believe I love you? Do I, you believe I love these people in that situation? Yes, I do. Then trust me with it. Anyways... The glory of this latter temple shall be greater, verse 9, than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. See, there's going to be places of peace in the earth. I will give peace in this place, in the body of Christ, in the people of God who's allowed God to prepare them. Instead of being in uproar and scared and afraid and all tore, tore into some end time stuff that's not even right I was hearing about the world coming to the end in the 70s. Like, you know, Japan's going to nuke us. They actually had this big prophecy that Japan was going to nuke America. Really? They are? These were supposed to be credible prophecy and all that stuff. Heck, they, you know, they're sinking now. You see how we can get into stuff. Anyways, uh, I wanted to remind you of the law of sowing and reaping. Remember that dream I told you about the red-headed, red-headed angel that came to me and says, Says, beware the laws that govern man. What laws? The law of sowing and reaping. What have you been sowing in your life? Because that's what you're going to reap. If you are not allowing God to work in your life, in your situations, in your circumstances, if he is not at work there and you are resisting him, you are full of whining and full of complaints and full of what are you going to reap? See, this is important right now. We're really. This is really important what I'm telling you. It's very important because I am setting up my tomorrow right now. I am setting up how God's going to use me tomorrow. I'm setting up how my life's going to go because I'm going to reap what I sow. Everybody in this room is. Everybody in this room is going to reap what they sow. And I don't want to be so complaining, or fear or all that stuff. Somebody else can do that. So has your life prepared you for this time? That's the question. Back to what the Lord said to me on the airplane. This is why it just sort of stuck to me. I have told you about when I was going to Korea. I was just in an uproar. Lord, I didn't have time to do nothing. Your life has prepared you for this moment. We had to ask ourselves, has our life prepared us? Or have we allowed those things to take us out? Have we allowed them to take us out? Have we allowed those things to disqualify us? You know, this is the thing. At nine minutes to one, I'm going to be done on time. I think the bowing is a good thing to do right now in a lot of ways. Bowing in prayer, bowing to the Lord. One thing that was interesting about the women in Korea is they want, if they found out you was a preacher, they would hold the door open for you to go first. And they would bow to you. And I was very uncomfortable with that. And so I told him, wait a minute, you gotta tell them this. In America, men hold the door open for the women. And the guy said, Well, okay. But the bowing thing, I feel like the Lord was telling me, you don't even touch that. Because they're a society of honor. Okay? And we need to become a society of honor where we begin to bow to the Lord. Lord, I'm bowing. I'm, bow- I'm not just bowing because times are hard. I'm just bowing. You know, and I think that's what I was saying about getting on the knees. I know some of us can't get on the knees, but I wanted us this morning, if you feel like the Lord's speaking to you, I want us to, to have a bow moment. We bow? Not a bow all. <laughs> I knew somebody thought that. <laughs> a B.O.W. moment. You can do your bow thing by yourself. <laughs> Please do, or I will be throwing up. <laughs> Ooh, mercy, Lord, Don't you love the Lord? He doesn't want us to get all heavy here, but He does want us to bow uh Arthur Burke said the I didn't know this stuff, I was stupid. I didn't know about wheat fields. This is what he said years ago. He said this is the way you tell a real the real wheat bows if you look at a wheat field, all the wheat's bowing, but the tares are standing straight up, okay. The wheat and the tares. the tares. The wheat, the real bread of God, the real people of God, the real, the real us. That's who we are. We're the ones that need to be bowing in our, in our lives. We, it, and so I'm saying it's a time for the people of God to bow. Okay? It's time for us to bow to the Lord. It's not time for us to stand up above all the other wheat You know, it's not that time. It's that time for us to bow. And I think as we will bow to the Lord, the Lord is going to do some things. That's why Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father so you'll know love, so you'll know power, so you'll know Christ in your heart. I bow my knees. That's so important. It's so important. I have to bow. There's some things that are important. That require bowing. Some things just require. Lord bless them. Help them with that and do that, Lord. But some things require bowing. And I think if, if we could get the bowing manifestation in our life, we're going to be all right. I did want to tell you one thing that I felt was critical. That I know I, I really got fussed at some about it because I was just so over the top ridiculous about it, but. You know, when the Lord brought the Holy Spirit River here to the church, He told me, Byron, this is to get you from where you are to where you're supposed to be. In other words, I need to get you from here to here. And I did not know what was going to happen when I got there. But something terrible happened. And I realized if I wouldn't have bowed to what He was doing, I wouldn't have been ready for that moment that was waiting on me in front of me. And I've realized this in my life. See, I went to the bow thing on that one because in the past, I've not always bowed when God would move. I had these opinions. I had this, uh, this thought, this theology, something that kept me from bowing to what God was doing. When God has always meant it to help us, to get us somewhere, to prepare us. So whenever the Lord moves in the future... Give a thousand percent of yourself. I'll go to the last drop, of it goes. And when the last drop's done, and I'll be done. But I'm going to go right to the last. If there's only one drop, I'll take the drop. I don't care. Because I want everything you have for me. And I want all that you want to give me. And so I want to encourage you about that today. So, do you want to bow? If you feel like the Lord spoke to you. If, now, some of you might be not physically bow. I'm, I'm in pain right now. Bow. I'm hurting so bad I can't only stand it. But it's worth it. If you can't physically bow, it's okay because ultimately it's a heart condition. But I think sometimes if you can, let's just bow before the Lord. And let's say to him, Lord, let's say stuff like this. If you just want to bow to him, wherever you're at, you can come up here, you can get at your chair, however you want to do it. Let's just bow before the Lord and just say, Lord, you're the king, you're the God. We want to honor you. And we are recognizing today, I am recognizing, Father, that I have missed some moments in my life. That I've missed some things. In the last year, Lord, I've got disconnected in ways I shouldn't have been disconnected. I've got frustrated. i got discouraged. I got this bad attitude. I got this thing on me that really wasn't you, Lord. See, I've seen that on people. I've seen that. I've seen them get this thing on in the last year, and it was weird. It's really weird. Because God was trying to do something greater in their lives. Because God's looking for Josephs. Some of you, Josephs, especially some of you older guys and girls. The Lord saying, it's just time. It's just time. It's just time for you to come forth. It's time for God to begin to... It's time He really wants to... Some of you, it's literal money. Some of you really have that call on your life, the gift of giving. It's just time for that. Some of you, spiritual... You know, only you and God can work through that. Some of you, you've just gone through it. Now, it's just time. It's just time for you. It's time for Joseph to rise and come out of prison. Get the prison garb off. And stop thinking like a prisoner. And some of you, you're just in the middle of it. You're in the middle of it. And I'm here to tell you, you're Joseph. You're in the middle of your feet being hurt with fetters. You're in the middle of rejection. You're in the middle of disappointment. You're in the middle of facing some temptations that really are powerful temptations. You're right in the middle. But just if you can just remember who you really are. Just remember you're a Joseph. You're wheat. If you will just bow in this moment. If you will bow, you will see the mighty hand of God raise you up at the right time. God will get you through. He will do it. He will do it. He promises in the last day the glory of the Lord's going to come. He has complete control over every nickel, every dime, every penny on this earth, every gold bar, everything that's precious. It is His, and He will put it in the hands that He chooses to put it in. And may God find our hands clean to put His wealth into them, so we can be about the Father's business. And see the glory of God come all over the earth. And everywhere we go, the glory would come. Father, we're asking You for that today. I ask You that in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. Lord, I just pray against discouragement, disappointment, disillusionment. Often people today. I pray that people get fresh vision, that you would heal people's visions today. Their visions, their dreams would get healed. Their callings would get healed. Their purposes and their destiny, there would be a healing that would come upon the people in this room right now in Jesus' name. That those things would begin to get healed and corrected and fixed. And those people who've gotten just slammed weird in the last little while, Lord, help them to get out of that weirdness. Lord... That spiritual weirdness, Lord, just help them get out of it. That thing that that has thrown them off and they're off balance and, and they're messed up, Lord, just help them get back to the center. Get back to the heart of the matter. Get back to who you really called them to be. And Lord, I pray you just tear our offense off in people today. Just offense, people who are offended, people who have that going in their life, Lord, just remove it that we would be like Joseph, we would forgive, we would forgive, we would forgive, we would release, we would bless, we would see, we would have a desire for enlargement for others, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for that today, Jesus. We oh, bless you, Lord. The one last thing I wanted to say to you, if you feel like you've blown it, just remember that the Lord is a God of second chances. That God always has an opportunity and a second chance for all of us. You know when our chances are over with is when we die. God is saying, there's a second chance, there's another chance for you. If you didn't do it all right, it's okay. He's saying, just just repent, I'm giving you another chance. I'm giving you a fresh start, I'm giving you a fresh dream. And that's just his heart, because he is so inclusive. He wants to include you in what He's doing in the earth. And he really does care about you and your life, what's happening in your life. Can I just take this last one little thing I want to do? I don't really want to, but I want the people in this room who feel to have really been hurt, I mean really hurt, to stand up. I want to just pray because I feel the Lord wants to heal some people from some real hurts this morning. So if you are a person who's really suffered some hurt in your life, some loss in your life. You just feel hurt. You've just been hurt. I want you to stand up. I just want to pray a prayer over you. Because I feel the Father saying, I want to heal some hearts this morning. I want to heal some people of the hurt that they have went through. And the loss that they've gone through. His heart is to heal. And I'm going to be honest with you, it may not be the thing that you lost you're going to get back, honestly. But God doesn't want to heal your heart. He doesn't want to leave us in a condition of hurt. So these people that are standing, Lord, you see them. Every one of these people have lost something. Some of us have lost babies. Some of us have lost relationships. Some of us have lost a spouse. Some of us have lost our dreams, Lord. Some of us have just lost everything. It's the way it feels sometimes. well, we've lost it all. We've lost our way. Lord, I ask you to heal us. Just heal and get us out of that place. Get us out of that prison. And bring us into your palace. And establish us, Lord. And let those things that hurt us so bad serve us. I ask you to do that today, Lord. For every person in this room that has that need in their life. Every person. Just release heaven into their hearts right now. And let their healing be set. Let it be sealed. Let it let the enemy never bear to steal it again. Whew. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. May God heal us all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, Lord bless you and be dismissed.